Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Scott Luton, and today we're focused on the week of August 3rd. Today, we're going to dive into a story of a true tireless innovator, an entrepreneur that made a huge impact on the world and especially its architecture today. Stay tuned and join me as we dive into the story of Elisha Otis and the elevator. Learn what motivated him to find a way to change the world all by making elevators or lifts, depending on where you are listening, reliably safe. That's what we'll focus on today on This Week in Business History, powered by our team here at Supply Chain Now. On August 3rd, 1811, Elisha Graves Otis was born in Halifax, Vermont. It's a small town in South Vermont, about two and a half hours west of Boston. His father, Stephen Otis, had been a farmer, a justice of the peace, and a legislator. From the beginning, though, Otis liked to tinker with things. Grist mills, sawmills, wagons, carriages, you name it. Otis loved to build, tweak, invent all sorts of mechanical things. But he did not like school, and he wasn't crazy about farming. At the age of 19, and with his father's blessing, Elijah Otis would leave home and school without having graduated from high school Otis rather chose to join his brother Chandler in the construction industry. This would take Otis to Troy, New York, a town about 70 miles west of Halifax, Vermont. Troy was founded near the confluence of the Hudson and Mohawk Rivers. Its geographic location was one of the factors that made it a hustling and bustling city on the move back in the early 19th century. The Industrial Revolution would really take root in the city of Troy. This would be a perfect setting for the notorious mechanical tinkerer, Elisha Otis. Right away, his ability to invent and innovate made an impact. He would design a hoist system that would make it easier for his brother's construction business to move materials between several stories of buildings. Otis would prove to make things better just about everywhere he worked. But love and marriage would intervene. He would marry Susan Hofton in 1834, and they'd have two sons in the next few years. To make a living and provide for his family, Otis would try a variety of things, from transporting goods, to building and running a sawmill, to manufacturing wagons and carriages. None of them quite hit the mark and proved highly successful. Unfortunately, his wife Susan would die in 1842, leaving Otis with two small boys, and after a bout with pneumonia, which almost killed him, Otis would remarry and move the family to Albany, New York, 
the capital of the Empire State. In Albany, Otis would work for O. Tingley and Company. What a name. O. Tingley and Company, a furniture manufacturer. And right away, Otis would make an innovative impact. He invented an automated woodworking machine that significantly improved productivity. Always having wanted to work for himself, Otis founded a company and invented a couple of interesting devices, including a safety brake to be used in the railroad industry. It reportedly allowed conductors to stop a train in its tracks. In fact, Otis would later patent several railroad car, trucks, and brakes in 1852. Otis would also design an automatic bread oven and would later patent a bake oven in 1858. For that matter, despite his disdain for farming, Otis would patent a steam plow in 1857. But destiny would intervene and Otis's business was closed due to losing access to power at his factory. Interestingly enough, Otis was using a small stream for hydropower and the local municipal authority would divert that stream for drinking water purposes. How's that for bad luck? Everything would change for Otis and business history in 1852. Otis was now in Yonkers, New York, having moved on to another furniture manufacturer, a company called Mays & Burns. Josiah Mays was growing his company rapidly. Furniture making was hard, but furniture delivery in the big city was even harder. Imagine trying to deliver a piano or couch to a four-story apartment. I don't know about you, but my mind instantly goes to a Three Stooges episode except this was not funny. A lot of workers would get hurt moving and delivering furniture. Enter Elisha Graves Otis, who was inspired and driven to make things better. He'd design and implement a safety hoist. This would be an elevator that had a safety device included, so if the lifting chain or rope broke, the elevator wouldn't come crashing to the ground. He would make and insert toothed wooden guide rails into opposite sides of the elevator shaft. Otis would then install a spring to the top of the elevator and run the hoisting cables through it. If the cables broke, it caused a spring mechanism to shoot outward into the notches, preventing the cabin from falling. Now this was revolutionary. It's important to note that elevators have been used since at least 236 BC, where the first elevator was supposedly designed by Greek mathematician Archimedes. Early elevators were powered by humans, animals, or even water. In fact, in ancient Rome, just below the Colosseum, there was an underground collection of rooms, animal pens, and tunnels. As needed, elevators would bring gladiators and large animals up to the arena. These Roman elevators, hoists really, were powered by hundreds of men and utilized winches and counterweights. Fast forward to the Industrial Revolution, elevators were used extensively in the coal mining industry, but not so much for people because of the unreliability and the significant safety issue. You know, it's one thing to drop a load of coal. It's a whole nother thing to drop a dozen people several stories. Otis's new invention worked well, but like many of his past innovations, Otis was pleased just let his employer enjoy the fruits of his labor. Otis took great satisfaction in solving a tremendous issue that had hurt and threatened countless workers. But the more he thought about its various applications, the more Otis wanted to introduce it to the entire world. 
1853, Elijah Graves Otis and his two sons would form Union Elevator and General Machine Works Company. On September 20th, 1853, 42-year-old Otis would, for the first time, sell the product that would carve his name in history and change the world. That's right, he'd sell his first safety elevator, which would be used to move freight. But sales weren't brisk. In fact, they were few and far between, and that made times tough for Otis and his family. If only Otis had a bigger platform to help get the word out about his invention. In 1853, if you wanted to get the word out, one of the premier venues was the World Fair. The first World's Fair would take place in London from 1850 to 1851, and it was a hit. Thus, enter serendipity stage right, as Elijah Graves Otis would be very fortunate to have a World's Fair taking place right around the corner in New York City. Called the Exhibition of the Industry of All Nations, what a name, it would run from July 1853 through November 1854. It take place in what is now Bryant Park in New York City, smack dab in the middle of Midtown Manhattan. It would kick off on July 14, 1853 with the new President Franklin Pierce in attendance. Over one million attendees would show up over the course of its run. The World's Fair that year would have a wide variety of attractions, but it's remembered chiefly for one big program, Elijah Otis's introduction of the safety elevator. Perhaps inspired by his contemporary, the one and only P.T. Barnum, Otis would make quite a spectacle at the World's Fair. In May 1854, Otis would draw a huge crowd as he rode his elevator up several stories high in the sky, and then with a dramatic act that would certainly make P.T. Barnum green with envy, Otis would have the lift rope cut by an axe far below him. But instead of crashing to his death, the elevator safety apparatus sprung in action and it locked the platform in place, astonishing the crowd. And I bet it relieved one Elijah Otis, who just might have had his eyes closed the whole time. Otis announced to the crowd, quote, all safe, gentlemen, all safe. End quote. If one could truly go viral in 1854, Otis had just gone viral. On March 23, 1857, he'd install the first safety elevator for passenger service in a store in New York City. That store, you ask, Evie Hawitt and Company. Otis also invented the leveling device that we've all noticed and waited impatiently to kick in as the elevator arrives at a particular floor. In 1861, Otis would patent a steam engine for elevator use. His innovative mind just never stopped until April 8, 1861, when only 49 years old, diphtheria would take his life. But on the bright side, Elijah Graves Otis had indeed contributed an invention to the world that would change life and business as we know it. Skylines would change very quickly, meaning megacities. His sons, Charles and Norton, would go on to build on their father's legacy. Union Elevator and General Machine Works Company would be renamed Otis Elevator Company, which is why, once we all return to our somewhat normal routines, you'll see the word Otis in many, if not most, of the elevators you step into. 
1867, the company would build a factory in Yonkers, New York. The company boomed during the American Civil War. A surge in the need to move war materials is a good thing if you are in the elevator business. By the 1880s, the company had established offices in London and Paris. Even the Eiffel Tower had Otis elevators installed. True to its founder's spirit, growth never slowed the company's constant innovation. Escalators, automatic elevators, double-deck elevators, you name it, the company invented it throughout the late 19th and 20th century. In 1976, United Technologies Corporation acquired Otis Elevator Company in what was described by many as a hostile takeover. Criticized by many external analysts at the time, Otis was a boon for United Technologies Corporation. Otis Worldwide Corporation, as it's known today, has grown to be a large public company with over 13 billion in revenue and over 69,000 employees. It was recently spun off as an independent company in April 2020. Otis Worldwide Corporation is traded on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol, you guessed it, Otis. The company is based in Farmington, Connecticut, about 90 miles south of where Elijah Graves Otis was born in Halifax, Vermont. On October 9, 2017, Judy Marks was named president and CEO of Otis. Marks says, quote, people make a decision every day about what kind of work they're going to do. That's what I love about Otis people. They know that what we do matters. Across 200 countries and territories, we service 2 million units and touch 2 billion people every day to keep the world moving, end quote. From Elisha Graves, Otis, his dogged determination to always find a better way and instill confidence in his products, all to a global company that the world has come to trust and depend on. Skyscrapers are only going taller, and elevator technology is really what builds the art of the possible when it comes to just how ambitious we can be. That wraps up our look at the week ahead from a business history standpoint. The entrepreneur that built the elevator that the world could trust, that story really stood out to us. But what do you think? There were certainly no shortage of big stories during the week of August 3rd in business history. What stands out to you? Tell us, shoot us a note to Amanda at SupplyChainNowRadio.com. We're here to listen. I hope you've enjoyed our latest edition of This Week in Business History, focused on the week of August 3rd. On that note, be sure to check out a wide variety of industry thought leadership at SupplyChainNowRadio.com. Find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. A friendly reminder, you can now find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast from. Based on all the feedback we've received, our team here at Supply Chain Now chose to create its own channel. Search for it wherever you get your regular podcast from. On behalf of the entire team here at This Week in Business History and Supply Chain Now, this is Scott Luton wishing all of our listeners nothing but the best. Do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time on This Week in Business History. Thanks, everybody.